Hey, Victoria. Long-time listener, first-time caller. It's Michael here, and I'm moving to a brand-new school, which I'm really excited about, and I have the opportunity to open up their primary music program. I'll be the founding music teacher, and my current school kind of has everything, like all the ORF instruments, all of percussion, full sets of all the drums and boom whackers and everything. And I'm just wondering if you're on a budget and you're starting from scratch, what do you consider those key items, those must have things that you've got to have to get your primary music program going? What are some of those must have things and um, some of the things I need to prioritize my budget for? Thanks. What's kind of interesting about this question is right after I got it from Michael, I got a similar question on Instagram uh, from another colleague. And this question is, I currently have a Lion's Orf set, but may be able to get more this year. What brand do you recommend that won't break the bank, but will be better than Lion's? Thank you. I think we can answer both of these questions in one episode because I can see how they are related. Essentially, we are asking about budget. We are asking about quality and what level of quality is worth it for what level of price tag. And, you know, this is a very personal conversation. These are all very personal decisions, but hopefully we can walk through some ideas to get us started thinking about some of the balances that we need to make as educators when it comes to quality versus budget versus time. So in answer to Michael's question, let's look at that one first. The correct answer when you are thinking about what classroom instruments you should buy first is uh, that you should buy whatever you would use the most. There's no set, you know, you need to buy this type of xylophone and this type of unpitched percussion first. And that's the first thing you should buy. The correct answer is what are you going to reach for every single class and what will be the most flexible across all of the different musical skills that you are working with and all of the different grade levels that you are working with. So the correct answer to what you should buy first is just whatever you will use the most. And then we are going to direct all of the resources we can at getting the tools, the instruments that are going to make the biggest impact in the classroom. And that leads to the age old question of, should I buy fewer, but better, or should I buy more in quantity, but maybe they have a lower quality? Both of these pathways are absolutely valuable options. Neither of them is correct. At the end of the day, having instruments is better often, (laughs) in my perspective, having some instruments uh, is better than having no instruments. So that to say, uh, if all that you can swing at this current moment in time is one lion's soprano xylophone, then that is a huge win because that is a musical experience that your students would not have had earlier. So whatever option you choose, whichever pathway, you know, fewer, but better, more, but lower quality, whatever option you choose, uh, is completely valid and your students are served well, just by having any instruments at all. Now that said, I fall into the camp of fewer, but better. 
And I'm like this with most things in life. I would rather save my money and do lots of found percussion and lots of body percussion and lots of curl music lab while I save my money and then buy one Studio 49 alto xylophone. That's the direction I tend to take, again, in in classroom instruments, and then also in other areas of my personal life. But again, because this is a personal decision, that means that just because this is my perspective, it does not make it the correct perspective. And it doesn't mean that buying more instruments at lower quality is a bad idea. It just means that my preference is fewer but better. So that's kind of the lens that I am taking for answering this question. Something that makes me encouraged to go the route of fewer but better is just knowing how long these instruments are going to last. And when I do slowly start adding to this instrumentarium, you know, kind of one at a time, because I am going fewer but better, I know that all of those instruments are going to be in tune over several years and that they are going to hold up over several years. So let's just say that you are going to be the music teacher at this current position for, let's just say, uh, 10 years. At the end of 10 years, the next teacher who takes over for you is going to have really high quality instruments that don't need a lot of repair. However, if we go the other route, you know, more instruments, but lower quality over time, those instruments are going to show wear and tear and love from our students uh, in the form of cracked bars, in the form of loss of tuning, and in the form of just general kind of being marked up. And so for that reason, when I think about what is best for the school, I am more inclined to take some time and save my money and buy fewer but better. One other reason that that route is attractive to me, aside from longevity, is just the knowledge that perhaps not every student needs an instrument, or rather not every student Maybe not every student needs to have an instrument that they are using all at the same time, you know? So I don't need to have uh, 27 alto xylophones. I can probably get by with one, at least for a year. So kind of the use case for the instruments is something that comes into play here as well. I am very okay with students working collaboratively in small groups around one single instrument, rather than insisting that every single student has their own instrument to work with. So that's kind of another reason that my thinking goes in the direction of fewer but better. So how we use the instruments is going to impact our thinking here. So let's come back to the only correct answer to this question, which is uh, in the answer of what classroom instruments should I buy first? You should buy what you will use the most and direct all of your attention to getting those really heavy hitting instruments. For me, in terms of unpitched percussion, those are going to be rhythm sticks, number one, because I know that I can use those with lower elementary working on steady beat or rhythm or rhythm versus beat. And then with upper elementary, those rhythm sticks, we can play on the ground, some more complicated rhythmic patterns, and we can also use them as tossing uh, sticks for a tossing game or uh, something like that. They're 
just a very versatile instrument and they are also very low cost. So that's a good thing for me. The next category in terms of unpitched percussion, the next category of instruments that are really heavy hitting in my teaching that really carry a lot of weight are tubanos. Tubanos are really valuable to me because they do not need a stand. They are designed to stand on their own and still get a really, really good quality of sound. The resonating chamber is set up really well and then it kind of stands on its own little feet in the classroom. So we don't need to worry about buying additional stands like we would for congas and we don't need to worry about students trying to balance the instrument like we would with a djembe. So tubanos are uh, another really important thing that I would use all the time in my teaching. And then along with that, just frame drums in general. So uh, frame drums that you can nest together so they kind of all stack or you can display them on the wall in a really beautiful way uh, and students can hold them with one hand and play with the other. Those three things in terms of unpitched percussion are going to be the things that I would prioritize because of their flexibility and their musical, all the musical options that they provide. In terms of unpitched percussion, I would recommend prioritizing woods and skins. And then after that, moving to metals and shakers and scrapers. And again, the reason is because those woods and those skins are going to be really versatile. And then the metals and your shakers and your scrapers, you won't need as many of those to make an impact in the ensemble. I'm thinking specifically with metals. Um, if you have one triangle, that goes a long way. If you have one set of finger symbols, that will really cut across the ensemble. So I would not necessarily prioritize getting a bunch of triangles or finger symbols because uh, rhythm sticks can just be used in more cases pedagogically. And then I am going to want more rhythm sticks than I have finger symbols in the triangle, just as far as ensemble balance. And then with shakers and scrapers, I don't have as strong of a pedagogical use for them as I do with some of these woods and skins. And so that is kind of the consideration there. I would be inclined to prioritize buying woods and skins first, and then moving on to metals and shakers and scrapers. So that's all unpitched percussion. Let's look at pitched percussion. And this is where we can kind of have some conversation about brands. For barred instruments, the thing that is really going to direct our thinking is, again, how we are using the instruments. And there are kind of two factors here. There is melodic work and there is harmonic work. If you tend to emphasize melodic work for barred instruments, that would be things like students reading standard Western notation on the board and playing it on barred instruments, so reading music or uh, you singing a pattern and students playing it back. So some ear training there or uh, figuring out a melody that uses a specific tone set, figuring out that melody by ear and playing it on barred instruments. All of that falls under the category of melodic work. If these instruments instead are being used to fill out the ensemble, like with a bordoon, let's say with um, apple tree, 
that whoever is out in apple tree goes and plays the steady beat on D and A, let's just say, um, then that would fall under the category of harmonic work. It's something that is adding to the ensemble, but it is not intended to be the ensemble itself. Whatever you choose for your use case there is going to impact how you prioritize what to buy. Before I had instruments, I always assumed that I would be doing melodic work almost exclusively with these instruments because I was like, you know, if, if I have first graders who have conscious knowledge of so and me, then I want them to play so and me on barred instruments. And so in that case, it makes sense for me to get 25 <laughs> glockenspiels because I can get 25 glockenspiels for the price of maybe two bass xylophones or so. So if I am doing melodic work exclusively, and I know that for a fact, then I mean, for for that purpose, go ahead and get 25 glockenspiels. And that's always what I had assumed that I would do just because of the way my melodic sequence is laid out. And then someone asked this in one of my ORF levels, I think it was ORF level one, and my instructor actually said, uh, if you can only buy one thing, buy a bass xylophone for what it's going to do to the overall sound in the room in terms of musicality, it's really going to add some depth to your student voices. And that made me rethink my direction here. Um, and now that advice, uh, I took that advice very seriously and I emphasized building my bard instrument collection kind of from low to high instead of just buying 25 glockenspiels because they would be cheap. So that to say, my recommendation is to prioritize mid and lower pitched woods first, so the xylophones, and then move to metals and higher pitches. Mid and lower pitched woods are going to give the flexibility of um, doing melodic work or harmonic work. And then the other thing with that is just like we were talking about with unpitched percussion, you don't need that many glockenspiels. If you have one that again is really going to cut through the ensemble. And if you did have 25 glockenspiels, like I was thinking I would do, uh, then that would be quite a piercing sound. And we need to think, is that what we want to listen to for, you know, five classes a day, five days a week? Probably not. So my recommendation would be to prioritize mid and lower pitched woods first and then move on to metals and some of these higher pitched instruments. Brands that I recommend are Studio 49, that's my top, but then Sonar also makes really solid instruments as well. Each of these brands have kind of different levels of quality that you can look for, um, but the brand itself is going to want to hang on to their reputation of putting out really high quality musical instruments. So each of these brands makes a set of instruments, a series of instruments that are designed to be more budget friendly and then something in a mid price point and then something that is their highest quality of instrument. And this goes into the second question about what can I get that is perhaps a higher quality than some other brands out there. Um, but that will still be kind of forgiving to my budget. 
Studio 49 and Sonar make great instruments. They each have some flexibility in their pricing and in the quality of instrument that goes along with each price point, but the brand itself is really strong. So we've talked about all of the personal decisions that have to go into this question and how uh, it is not a one-sized-fits-all approach. We've talked about some options for prioritizing unpitched percussion and then some priorities for barred instruments and kind of those considerations as well. Let's break this down really practically. This is, again, one example. So you can, you know, take this as a template and tweak it to whatever situation you're in. But let's look at a five-year plan and how we might break down some of these considerations. You know, for Michael's situation, coming from a fully stocked classroom, at the end of five years, you know, he is not going to have the classroom situation that he just left. It will take, you know, 10, 15 years, and it will depend on your community and your budget and, um, you know, the amount of financial support that your situation is able to give the music program. So at the end of five years, you will still have room to grow, but you will have a pretty solid ensemble if you are strategic with looking for these instruments. When we make a five-year plan, we are going to start with our big dream and then break it down from there. And again, the first year that you are purchasing things, you need to be purchasing the things that you will use every single day with as many grade levels as possible. So let's say that at the end of five years, let's say that you have an unpitched percussion set of, let's say, six tubanos, let's say 25 frame drums, let's say 25 sets of rhythm sticks, and then whatever kind of color other auxiliary instruments you want. And auxiliary things are uh, like your triangles or your vibra-slap or your kabasa or your finger cymbals or all of those things. Uh, so any of those extra color instruments that you want. Let's say that in terms of pitched percussion, barred instruments, you have two soprano glockenspiels, four soprano xylophones, one soprano metallophone, four alto xylophones, one alto metallophone, and two bass xylophones. Notice here that I always have more woods than I have metals. So for example, I am recommending four soprano xylophones to one soprano metallophone. And again, just like we've talked about, in terms of instrumentation, those metals are going to cut through more than the woods are. So we are going to have more woods than we have metals. And again, this might not be your final instrumentarium. Again, you have room to build off of this, right? We can add a bass metallophone. We can add um, some alto glockenspiels, things like that. Uh, but just to get us started at the end of five years, I think that this is a really uh, approachable set to aim for. When I broke down this spending plan, you know, by this year one, year two, year three, year four, year five, I wanted each year to be kind of a comparable price point, uh, with the exception of year one, which I priced much, much lower. And when I say a comparable price point, I didn't have a specific dollar amount in my mind. It was just, you know, this idea of I can buy 
10 glockenspiels for the price of one bass xylophone. So I want to make sure that the spending is kind of consistent from year to year so that even if you are buying these from a different brand or if you are buying them used, the amount that you should be shooting for each year will be kind of the same bundle, if that makes sense. So year one is lower spending, I would focus on unpitched percussion just because uh, some instruments are better than no instruments and we can do stuff with unpitched percussion all day long and then add pitched percussion as it works out in the budget. So in year one, if I were doing this in terms of what I would use every day, I would have a tubano, I would have six frame drums because those often are sold in sets of six. Uh, I would have a class set of rhythm sticks. And then for me, I use a finger symbol set. So two finger symbols as an attention grabber. And then just like some element of color and shimmer in the ensemble. So I'd have one set of finger symbols and those brand new are like $30 or so. So that's not really going to set me back. The bigger purchase that I would make in my first year is an alto xylophone. And the reason I would choose an alto xylophone is that it will still add some depth to the ensemble as I do a Bordoon, but I can also use it in the child's singing range for some melodic work. So that's how I would use that year one budget. In year two, this is going to be maybe double spending uh, as far as amount. Um, for unpitched percussion, I would get two more tubanos. I would get another set of frame drums, so six frame drums, and then some auxiliary instruments, some uh, just some fun uh, unpitched percussion toys to use. And then with pitched percussion, I'm going to get a bass xylophone, and that is going to cost a lot, but it's worth it in year two now that we have some momentum. So I'm going to get a bass xylophone and another alto xylophone. Year three is somewhere around the same price point as year two. I would get three more tubanos and then some more color instruments. So crash cymbals, vibraslap, rain stick, kabasa, stuff like that. And then for pitched percussion, I would get another bass xylophone and a soprano xylophone. Year four, I would get more frame drums and more fun stuff for unpitched percussion. And then as far as pitched percussion, I would grab two soprano glockenspiels, one soprano metallophone, and three soprano xylophones. Notice that now that I have these gigantic purchases of the bass xylophone out of the way, I have a lot more room to buy many more instruments because these smaller instruments, uh, the higher pitched instruments, cost much less than these big bass xylophones. And then year five, I would just fill out the unpitched percussion gaps that I have, and that will just depend on you and your situation and what you like to use. And then for pitched percussion, I would grab two alto xylophones and one alto metallophone. If my math is correct, <laughs> again, that would leave us with six tubanos, 25 frame drums, a class set of rhythm sticks, and then whatever color auxiliary stuff you want pitched percussion we would be walking away at year five with two soprano glockenspiels four soprano xylophones one soprano metallophone four alto xylophones one alto metallophone and two bass xylophones there is 
obviously plenty of flexibility in this five-year plan, um, but the priority order is what we are kind of thinking through here. If I have money to spend, what should I spend it on? And this is kind of the order that I would recommend. So if you want to kind of space this out and make it a seven-year plan, you can. Or if you happen to have the funding one year, you know, you get a grant, you have a business partner with a music program, whatever it is, then you know what to adjust and what to move forward. Let's really quickly talk about where to buy these instruments. A really awesome option is Woodwind and Brasswind. They have an open box program where you can look at some used instruments at varying levels of use and purchase them used. That is a really good option. I think that I have purchased maybe not everything used, but the vast majority of of school purchases I have made have been open box. Those are really great. Another option is West Music has just a fabulous set of educational materials that Judy Pine has put together. She is the, mm, her her job title is something like head of education or something like that, but she has put together a lot of really great information about the pros of each set of instruments, and that can help you kind of make some of these decisions. So Woodwind and Brasswind, Openbox, and West Music at whatever Judy Pine says to do. <laughs> and then the very last thing is just an encouragement to make a bunch of noise about this, because this is not for you. It is not for your program. It is for the students. When you ask for money for instruments, it's not for you. It's not for your program. It is for the students. And then by extension, the school and the community. So make a lot of noise about wanting to give your students the very best musical experience that you can. When you create your five-year plan, share it with your admin, share it with your PTO, share it with your school board, and just say like, I have a big vision for these students and I want you on board as much as possible. And then when those instruments show up, I would love for you to film the unboxing of the instrument um, and student reactions or write about it. And that will depend on the privacy contracts that parents have signed at the beginning of the year, right? So we want to be mindful of that. And then if filming is good, then send it to your principal. Send that to the school board, send it to the PTA, whoever has the power to support the music program, send them those student reactions so that they can see what an impact this kind of support has. And then as you are having these conversations, I would just encourage you to use some common vocabulary to explain the benefits of these instruments. And I think we've talked about the idea of common vocabulary before, but whatever your school is trying to push, whatever your administration is really interested in, maybe that is the word innovation or authentic assessment or cooperative learning, tie that vocabulary in to the use of these instruments so that we are explaining the benefits in a way that is easy to communicate with our administration. And then the last thing in terms of making noise is uh, tell the students how much this instrument costs. You know, if you pull out a Studio 49 xylophone that was $600, 
say it. This instrument was $600 and we are going to take care of this instrument the very best we can because it is so, so valuable. And that's the time to say to students that you are trying to get even more instruments like this to really build the program. You are the head of marketing at your music program. And so it is up to us to make a bunch of noise about the expansion and all of the opportunities that we want to give students in terms of instrumental experiences. So in answer to what should I buy first if I am starting from scratch, the correct answer is that you should buy what you will use the most. You should dream big and then break that dream down by priority, thinking musically about the setup of your ensemble. And then when it comes to some of these budget decisions, we can buy some high quality instruments from brands who are flexible with their offerings. So Studio 49 and Sonar both have some nice options for different tiers of quality and different tiers of budget. And then just know that at the end of the day, slow and steady wins the race. It is not likely that you will have a whole set of instruments dropped in your lap your first year that you are building this from scratch. And that's totally fine. We are going to be measured and strategic and make some well-informed and musical decisions about budget and quality over time. Because any instrumental experience is better than no instrumental experience. And any musical experience with you as the teacher is better than no musical experience. What you are doing every day in the classroom is valuable, it is worth it, and we are going to give students quality musical instruction that we build over time.